We're going to look at a great story this morning that comes from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you want to follow with me, we'll be on the screen, or if you want to use your, your Bible app, we're using the NIV version today. Last week, we shared an awesome story about Gideon and how Gideon put his faith and trust in God with 300 men versus well over 100,000, trusting and having faith in what God would do. He wanted to go into battle with a hundred and he wanted to go into battle with thirty thousand. God said, "No, it's too many. Let some people go home that are scared." Twenty thousand left, left with ten thousand. And when he gets to that point, God said, "It's still too many people." And God basically was saying, "If you have this many people, you'll take credit for what I'm about to do." You'll take credit for it, thinking that in your energy, in your might, in your strength, that you will accomplish what I'm about to do. And so he brought it down to 300 people so that the people could say that there is no way that any of this could have happened except for by the power and the strength of God. We find another story like that in a different way that comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is probably one of my favorite characters in, in all of scripture and it's a story of David and Goliath and you've you've probably heard this before as a child you've read it a few times but let's look at it this morning because I believe there are some things that we can take from this today it says that the Philistines gathered their forces and this is in verse 1 and they assembled for war at Socha and Judah they pitched camp at Ephraim to and between Socha and Ezekah and Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. There was this valley called the Valley of Elah, big old valley like this that was just naturally created for war, naturally created for battle. One army would gather on one side one army would gather on the other and they would just run into the valley and just go at it. You could picture some of those. You've seen so many war scenes where the armies just kind of come together. And so there they were assembled. And they could look across the valley and see each other. But a champion in verse 4 named Goliath, it's one of the Philistines who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp and his height was six cubits and a span. Now, we don't use those measurements anymore, but six cubits in a span, this guy was nine feet, nine inches tall. Ten, almost ten foot tall champion of the Philistines who comes out. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, basically about 125 or so pounds of armor that this guy's wearing. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. In other words, big dude, heavily armed, watch out. Goliath stood and it says he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will welcome, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, 
You will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. So rather than going into battle, running into, uh, down into the valley and just slaughtering each other as they go at it, says, you know, why don't we just take one champion against another? You just send me one person and I'll fight him. We'll make this really simple. And hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Dismayed and terrified. The, the story of Gideon that we read about last week, that we have Israelites that are hiding in a cave, hiding away from the rest of the world because the Amalekites would come in and just sweep through and take away all their crops, take away their, their animals and everything. And so they were hiding in fear. Gideon was inside of a wine press threshing grain. You know, it's be like trying to make Kool-Aid in the bathroom. It just doesn't belong there, you know? Trying to hide everything away from everyone else. And so these guys are terrified as well. They're terrified. They're dismayed. What are we going to do? This guy's massive. He could probably take us all out in his own. The guy's almost 10 feet tall. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. And Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time... Jesse was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. So they were there on the battle lines. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. But David was the youngest, just barely older than a boy we read later on. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. David's the shepherd. He's the youngest. You, got, you stay home, take care of the sheep, okay? So, for 40 days, this is interesting. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Every day, the, the people would come out, in the, out, out and stand on their edge of the valley. The Philistines would line up. The Israelites would line up. And, of course, this champion, Goliath, would come out every day. For 40 days, day one, nothing happened. Day two, nothing happened. They're scared. They're terrified. Nothing is happening for 40 days. Now, Jesse said to his son, David, David, go ahead and take some, basically some bread and cheese, if you will, to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these cheeses to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are doing. And bring back some assurance from them. They're with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Allah fighting against the Philistines. And so David gets up early in the morning. He heads out, loads up to go and catch up with the camp. And he gets down there and says, David left his things in verse 22. With the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. Got to check up on them and bring word back to dad, who of course is worried about his kids that are in battle, right? And so as he was talking with them, happens to be the time where Goliath comes out, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. And it says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So you've got this moment, you know, typically you see it in the movies too where everyone lines up, they get ready to go into battle, and they're kind of almost sucking each other up. They line up, they get ready. But then, of course, when the giant comes out, 
they're run away in fear. Talk about just a deflating situation. Day after day, imagine being a part of that army, lining up day after day, getting ready to go into battle, and then seeing that guy come out. Just taunting them. Daring Israel to make a move, to do something. But the people just ran away. I don't know how many of them, but it's like the situation from last week where, where you know, the, the, the guys were so afraid to go into battle against the Amalekites that when Gideon gave them an opportunity, 20,000 just left. Imagine trying to be Saul and, and lead an army and this dude comes out, you know, probably didn't go into battle because he couldn't keep the muster of the troops to stay together. Just a lot of fear, a lot of deflation, thinking how in the world, what are we going to do? So for 40 days, this is going on. Now the Israelites, they, David's there and they talk, they talk to him and says, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel, and the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Try to do everything he can to cajole someone to go up and to step out. You No taxes? Woo, all right. You can have my, my daughter. You know, it's like pulling out everything, pulling out all the stops. And David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? And here's David's passion. Here's David's heart. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies, not of Israel, the armies of the living God? Who does this guy think he is that he can stand against God? Right away, we see a glimpse of the perspective that, that David has about God. These aren't just, you know, the God that we serve isn't just this, you know, we just go to church, just kind of a cultural thing, and we worship this God, and then you worship that God. This is the living God, the one true God. How in the world does this guy think he can come against this? That's David's perspective. The rest of Israel is freaked out. And they're running away whenever Goliath steps up to make his challenge. And so they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this will be done for the man that kills them. And of course, David's older brother gets on the scene, hears him speaking with the men. He gets upset. Basically, David, what are you doing here? You know, the whole sibling rivalry thing. You see that in scripture. Whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You only came down here to watch the battle. David says, now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? It's just so funny when you see that stuff pop up. That never happens, right? It says, he then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. David is just kind of just taken by this thing where he won't shut up about it, right? He's going from guy to guy. Tell me what will happen if, you know, tell me what's going on here. What will be done for the man that kills kills this champion and all this. Tell me what's going on. And so he's talked to so many people, apparently says that it's what David said, it says in verse 31, was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. It's interesting that Saul's offering everything he can to get someone to go into battle. And finally we have this, basically this guy that's just older than a boy talking about this, showing some interest. And Saul's like, bring him here. That's the point of desperation that they were at. 
which is really weird because you're wondering if this guy goes into battle, this boy goes into battle and loses, you know, why would you send in a child, essentially? But Saul's so desperate for something to happen, for something to get done, that he sends for David. So David meets with Saul in verse 32 and says, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul says, you're, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant says, Look, let me, let me give you my resume here. This is what I've done as a shepherd. When a lion or a bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of what? Again, of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David just has a different perspective than everybody else. The rest of Israel is standing there on the sides and they look across and they see nothing but hopelessness. They see nothing but failure, death, defeat, deflation, thinking we're just going to prolong this as long as we can. 40 days, let's go another 40 days. Maybe they won't run into the valley and come after us. They just see death. They don't see future. They don't see hope. But David shows up on the scene, a young boy, and, and reminds them of who God is. That's the kind of perspective and passion that David has. And so he, he shares this with Saul, and Saul says to David, well, go. May the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David. We got this thing where he gives him his tunic, gives him his own weapons and stuff, and he puts it on as if, you know, if he would carry around the king stuff, he's going to be good. And David says, this, is, this stuff is not, I'm not used to this stuff. I've got to be who God created me to be. I've got to use the skills God gave me. And it says this in verse 40. It says, then he took his staff in his hand. He is a shepherd after all. And he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. You've probably heard this before. Some people think, well, maybe he was just being extra cautious. He's going to need all the stones he can get, right? If I go into battle with a gun, I want all the ammo I can have. But history tells us as well that there was an understanding that Goliath was not the only dude that was nine foot nine, that he had four other brothers. You know, you don't see David trembling as he goes into this. He grabs not just one stone, but five, thinking, you know what? If I go out there, I'm, he's thinking beyond Goliath. He has an understanding and an expectation that Goliath is not going to be the only problem that's ahead. If Goliath goes down, maybe one of his brothers are going to be there too, and they're going to step out of the ranks. He's going to have to face them next, and then the next brother is going to step out. And he's gonna, maybe he goes from nine, nine foot nine to nine foot eight, and he's going to take care of these brothers. That's the passion that he has going into battle. Nothing is going to stand in the way. 
Because how dare he defy the armies, not of Israel again, but of what? Of the living God. So he put them in his bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. In verse 42, he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and it says, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, and he says, come up here, come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. If he wasn't intimidating enough, being almost 10 feet tall, basically saying, just come here, I'm just going to rip you to shreds. Who do you think you are coming against me? Seriously? I've been standing here for 40 days laughing at the rest of your people from the other side of the valley. But here's David's perspective. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. You're coming against me with human things. You're coming against me with human weapons, but you don't realize who I stand for. You don't realize who I serve. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Pretty specific there. Pretty, uh, pretty ready to go, huh? This very day, I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And it says, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Because the story is going to get out. You think the story got out? still talking about it, aren't we? The kids talk about it, I'm sure, from time to time it comes up. This is a story that's carried throughout the ages. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel. It says all those gathered here will know, he says, it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. David surely believed and he told King Saul earlier that he had all the abilities to take out bears and lions and stuff, but he doesn't, he doesn't talk about his skill. He doesn't talk about the physical things in his hands. He says, it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. A great reminder of, of who needs to be the one that's actually fighting. Going back again to Gideon. Gideon and them, didn't, they didn't even go into battle with any, any actual weapons, human weapons. Went to battle with a horn and with light in a jar that got busted. All simply representing the power of God and the Holy Spirit. If God didn't fight for them, they were done. 300 of them went into battle God fought. Those are things we need to remember that the battle is the Lord's. We don't take things into our own hands. We need to be better at taking things out of our hands and putting them into his hands. How often do we try to fix things ourselves? 
And if that's your perspective, that's why Israel is standing on their side of the valley, knocking their knees and running away. Because they know, even in their own strength, there's no way they're going to be able to go up against a 10-foot-tall giant. But David, even being skilled as a shepherd to take out a bear and lion, those kind of things, knew where the real strength was. So as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, it says, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And David ran and stood over him, and he took hold of the Philistine's sword, his own sword, and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. Who says the Bible isn't interesting? When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. And then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout. All of a sudden, there's a change there, isn't there? When they see how God shows up, how God uses this one boy, their whole attitude, they see that, everything changes, and they go forward with a shout, and they pursue the Philistines, it says, to the entrance of Gath, which is where they came from, to the gates of Ekron. That's in Philistine territory. And their dead were strewn along the Sharim road to Gath and Ekron. It says, when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. And David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Imagine that. And said to, um, brought it to Jerusalem, he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the, armor, of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man. Who is this guy? Of all Israel that stood on the sidelines for battle, a boy that came to bring his brothers bread and cheese ends up reminding the people of God who God really is. Reminding him how big God really is. Who the battle belongs to. David had a passion for God, and he was offended that this Philistine could even say the things and act the way that he did. What if we had that very same kind of passion for God? Realizing, no, he is so much bigger than when you see how the Israelites are acting. They act as if he wasn't there with them. They act as if he had gone off somewhere, as if he wasn't real standing there and then running away in fear. And David comes out with a strong passion saying, how can he say this? Doesn't he realize the God that we serve? We need a passion like that. David had a faith in God that, that God was going to rescue. He didn't put his own faith in his own weapons and his own skill in his own hands. He said it's the God that we serve who would rescue him. He placed his faith completely in him. David was prepared for Goliath and he had four more stones. 
Sometimes we, we act like we're surprised in life when we face one trouble, and then another one's right behind it, another one's right behind that. The amount of troubles, the number of troubles that we face doesn't change the fact of who's in charge. It doesn't face, change the, the fact of the matter that the battle is the Lord's, that we continue to take these things and we give them to him. David was prepared for Goliath and for his brothers. He knew that, you know what, things can get even crazier than this. This is just one giant that he faced. There's other giants. But it doesn't change the battle plan. It doesn't change our response. It doesn't change our trust and our faith in God. The battle is the Lord's. We try and we fight things, we try to fight things so often again by ourselves. And we say we need to give it to God. How do we do that? You know, it's not just this idea of mentally saying, all right, God's in control. He is. But if you're going to give it into God's hands, I think the number one primary thing that, that you have to do if God's going to fight for you is to pray. How intent are you in prayer? And I point at myself and I ask myself this very same thing. With the troubles that we face, with the things that come our way, with the battles that are in front of us, what kind of prayer warriors are we? In handling, handing things that we are carrying ourselves and giving it to God. Because prayer... Prayer is going to the Lord. It's asking the Lord to fight. It's asking the Lord to respond. It's asking him to take charge for him to step in. Whatever burdens you're facing this morning, whatever giants that you're facing this morning, whatever impossible situation that you faced this morning, now, as we said last week, now is the time. You want to take action? Pray. Now is the time more than ever to get on our knees and pray, to give everything over to the Lord because he's the one that needs to fight for us. Forty days, forty days they stood on the sidelines. Forty days they stood on the sidelines in fear. It took a boy with passion and faith to remind them of the God that they served. Whatever issues that you face this morning, whatever fears you have, whatever worries you have, we cannot continue to withdraw. You can't just leave the problem and walk away. You can't just sit on the sidelines 40, 41, 42, and 43 days. The giants have to be addressed. You can't withdraw. You can't decide that you're not going to get involved, that you're not going to do anything, that you're going to be one of those people like the rest of Israel in the story last week that just stayed in the cave, too. Hid, hid away from life. Depressed and and fearful in a cave, threshing your, your weed in a wine press, 
waiting for the end on the sidelines of battle in the valley of Allah. It's time to say something. It's time to do something. It's time to trust in the Lord. Whatever it is you face this morning, one of the things we need to walk away with today, as in the story last week, is that now is the time to truly trust God. Now is the time to truly place your faith in God. And now is the time to pray. There's so many ways that we withdraw and do nothing when we need to give everything in our hands to him. Let him take charge. Place our faith in the Lord. Take some time today to, to look at our lives. Glad that you're here this morning, but there, what are we doing throughout the week to continue to trust in the Lord, to continue to place faith in him? Is it something in our lives, is, a, is the faith that we have in the Lord growing? How do we gain that passion that David had? It's, 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 it's going back, as the Bible says in Revelation, to your first love. A love and a passion for Christ. And you know all, you know the things you ought to do if you're gonna if you're gonna have a passion for the Lord. It's sim- it's as simple as time with Him, isn't it? More time with Him, placing Him as the most important person, because He is, He truly is. Why don't you stand with us, and we're gonna we're gonna close in a, in a song this morning that that some of you know very well. Jesus, we thank you for this morning together. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the story of David. Lord, and a reminder this morning, Lord, that you are the God that goes before us, Lord, that you are the one that fights our battles. Lord, that that we can have faith in you, or we can trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would Help us to have the attitude of David that ran into battle. To remember that now is the time. Or in too many times where we just sit and we wait around and we do nothing. Or we play around thinking we can do things on our own. Lord, let us trust in you. Lord, let us get serious about our love for you, our passion for you. Just pray that you move among us today. Lord, for, for all of us here, Lord, we just trust in you, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, that's weighing us down today, any concerns or fears or worries or giants in our life, Lord, we just give them to you. We ask, Lord, that you step in. We love you. We thank you for this time today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.